0: Welcome to The Tool Shed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From the MLB draft all the way to the show, we're here to help give you the edge in your dynasty leagues. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clegg. Welcome into episode 189 of The Tool Shed with Clegg and Cross. Powered by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm your host, Eric Cross. And with me, as usual, is my 80 great co-host, the birthday boy, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, how's it going, bud? Happy birthday.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back on. It's been a while. Um, you were sick, and then you were in Florida. And then uh, you know we had a lot going on in my family this week. So wife was in the hospital for a couple of days. So it's really good to be back. Some normalcy. The microphone... Feels normal to me, so this is just normalcy back in the swing, and hopefully, gosh, it's been a weird couple of months for us, just like on and off having a bunch of crap going on. Right, and hopefully that stuff's all behind us now, so we can just you know roll with our normal podcast schedule, you know, and do what we love most, and that's talking about baseball. So appreciate everybody that's reached out. Really do appreciate it. And my wife is doing better. We're at home now after a couple of days in the hospital, but so everything is better, which is good. And again. Normalcy. This feels, this
0: just feels right. So I'm glad to be back. You, you all can't see it, but when Chris was saying that the mic feels normal, he was caressing his microphone a little <laughs> bit. No, I'm just kidding. I'm um, gonna, it, it is good to hear that your wife's doing better, that she's home resting now. That was obviously never a, obviously never ideal. It was a scary situation, but glad to hear that she's doing better. My voice is still on the up and up. It's better than it was last episode. If anybody heard my voice at the end of last episode, that was actually pretty funny. I went back and listened to it. But still trying to get my voice back, but I'm getting there. It's a little better every day. So hopefully next couple episodes, I'll be back to not sounding like I smoke five packs of cigarettes <laughs> a day. But for now, I guess it is passable, but we have a really fun podcast. So we get a couple podcasts right in a row here because there's been a lot of last since the last time we recorded been a lot of a lot of fun stuff going on. But obviously, we've got spring training games in full swing. We got the World Baseball Classic ramping up. So a lot of uh, kind of just, news and notes to over so we will do pictures this episode and hitters next episode um but before we get into the episode the usual housekeeping you can find us on twitter chris that wrote i am at eric cross 4 and our show is at Toolshed pod if you enjoy this podcast please write and review check out my patreon from, for more work from me and chris's subject for more work from him and before we get into the show we want to say a quick word about our friends at underdog fantasy if you sign up using the promo code TOOLSHED, you'll receive a 100% deposit match, up to $100, and that can be used for any of their fun fantasy games, including MLB Best Balls, individual player pickups across all sports, and so much more. Sign up today using the promo code TOOLSHED at play.underdogfantasy.com slash the letter P-the-toolshed. dash dash All right. Unfortunately, the first bit of news here, obviously everyone knows about it, but not very pleasant. We're starting off on a uh, on a bad foot here, a sour note. But Andrew Painter injured, left his you know felt some elbow soreness last start. Kind of been hearing some rumblings on a nothing's been made public yet by the team, which is never good. If there was good news, they would have said it. You know that first day after or second day after, but been a few days now. All the rumblings are that not you know, not necessarily Tommy John yet, but there's always that concern when you leave with your elbow, forearm. That there could be Tommy John, which obviously for a guy that for any any top pitching prospect is not great, but especially for a guy that was like the hype around Painter was so massive right now. Obviously with the dominant year he had last year, you know, in the number one pitching prospect discussion with him and G Rod, maybe making his debut, maybe opening the rotation. So this is a bummer. But how are you kind of handling the Andrew Painter upcoming news here, Chris? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, this
1: is a just another thing to knock on pitching prospects. We have the top four, and they're so good and so unique that it was hard not to be extremely high on them. But the acronym rings true. There's no such thing as a pitching prospect because it feels like every time we fall in love with a pitching prospect, something like this tends to happen. And obviously, we hope that Painter has a speedy recovery, gets back on the mound. I'll tell you, I am very skeptical that, well, I I know that he's going to rest. Like, we know he's going to rest for a little bit and not throw. The whole situation is just bizarre with his agent getting involved. And, I mean, we know Boris is Boris. and (laughs) Whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's just the whole situation's weird like why they haven't come out and said something because they know like they're going to co- they've been saying they don't know the they know they know the results and that's the frustrating thing but my fear is that best case he doesn't throw until or he doesn't pitch in game until like mid-June or July like cuz he's got to have ramp up time after resting too so like he may not throw in game until mid-June or July Then, if he has another setback, like we're talking about more and more time. And if he does need surgery, then with all this delayed, he ends up missing all of next year, too, which is the really concerning aspect that we could potentially lose Andrew Painter for 2023 and 2024 if the worst case happens. So, if that is the case, then his dynasty value tanks. Like, obviously, there's a lot still up in the air right now. So, you may still be able to trade him. And, Honestly, I might entertain it, which sucks. Like, I really do like Painter. I think he can be elite in long term. He may. He's nineteen, but I will say that with the with this kind of injury, when we see the pitchers we've seen rest, it doesn't go well for him. Like, I'm just look, looking at the arms that have tried to pitch through this, and and some of them are like have worked out well. Like, I will say that Zach Gallon is a major success story of resting. And it worked like gallons made been it through a lot of stuff and he's been good. But I, then I think about the glass now and Lance McCullers juniors and all those guys that just can't stay healthiest on and off the field. And if the surgery is needed, then I hate to delay any longer. And that's my fear right now. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, no, that's, it's tough, man. Like I think it would depend on if I had Andrew painter, I think it would just depend on my contention window. If I'm a contender now, yeah, I'd be looking to maybe you know trade him to a you know, rebuilding team for more of a win now piece. But let's 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 assume what we think is like you know the future here. What we think is going to happen with Painter. Let's assume that's reality. What's how far down? Like let's just go one for one trading Painter for a pitching prospect. Like how far down your pitching prospect ranks would you go? Like let's say let's say you had Painter, I came up and offered you. Let's go Kyle Harrison. What would you say? Oh,
1: that's a tough one. Harrison's a weird one for me. I was thinking, I was literally thinking through, like, where I would put him, like, in the instance that he didn't need TJ. And if it was the case where it was later and he missed all of next year, too, and didn't see him till 2025, I think in that case, like, he does, I would take Harrison for him. Like, he'd be outside my top 50 prospects. I thought about Max Meyer, who I was never as high on Meyer as I was Painter, so right. a little bit of difference there. But how far I dropped Meyer after he had the TJ, so it's going to be a significant drop if Painter does need the surgery. Now I'm, I want you to hear us loud and clear that we're not saying that he does. Like this is speculation right now. Right? Like yeah. That he could get down the road, but there is a concerning injury. That's what we know. There's a concerning yeah. injury right now. So I think he would probably drop to like 75 overall in my prospect rankings, which puts him in, I'm looking at like other arms in that range. Like, would I have him above Tink hints? Like, yeah, probably it'd be close. Like Bryce Miller, like some of these guys, like I don't know, like that's the weird thing. Like where would I put him if if worst came to worst? And yeah, I would, so to, to be blunt, like I take Harrison for him. I take Brandon Fott for him. I take Gavin Williams for him. I take Hunter Brown, Tosh Bradley, Gavin Stone, all that tier. I think that would take for him.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about Thought. Obviously, you you've been a big supporter of Thought and Fott looks pretty damn good so far in spring training. But yeah, I think, for me, I think I'd probably drop him down into kind of probably my Daniel Espino range, where kind of similar. I, and we don't know, you know, how much of Espino we see this year. That's still kind of up in the air. So, obviously, it could be a long term injury for Painter hey, maybe Espino turned into a more long-term thing as well. or It already is long-term. But I feel like he'd be in that range for me, you know, kind of similar as, you know, both elite pitching prospects that would be like top three or four without injury or even top two. And then, you know, what do we get from them this year? That uncertainty, that risk. So I think I'd put him down in that speed range, which probably is, I think, around 60 to 70, yeah, so. I feel like we're in that same range, but luckily, you know, Mick Abel looked pretty good the other day. You know, hopefully Mick Abel can take that step forward if we do lose Painter. But again, all speculation, but I've seen this movie before and the movie usually doesn't end well. So hopefully I'm wrong. You know, hopefully he's, he's fine, rest for a month or two. And, he, you, know, you like you mentioned, Chris, maybe we see him second half of the year. But, yeah, I'm, but I'm holding my breath. Let's see. Let's just wait for some concrete news to come out before we overreact too much, but something we can not overreact to, but react to Hunter Brown, obviously very talented arm, we all know that big fastball, the two breakers he can miss bats with, but command control has been the thing that's kind of held him back like I think this is a guy that could have been uh, even higher, even up into the Kyle Harrison range, but it's kind of like always a run below because command was an issue and that's still been an issue he walked five the other day so obviously long term i'm not you know dropping him down my rankings or anything like that but you know i I wonder chris if he makes as big of an impact this year as we think obviously when McCullers already hurt shocker you know Hmm. brown's gonna get that chance so that's great that's promising that you give him this little you know short-term boost in value but i wonder if there's gonna be that more growing pains than there would be for, like, a G-Rod or something like that. People, guys that have better command than Brown. So I'm not saying sell him, but uh, I just like, you know, obviously we're talking about Dynasty right now, but, again, a redraft setting, I, I feel like his ADP is getting pushed up too high. And This is a guy that I was loving the ADP when it was, like, 250. Now it's, like, 175 or even higher. And I think like the value is getting pushed a bit too high. There's still some, still some kinks to work out. Yeah, I agree. He
1: struggled to find the strikes on at all and that's pretty concerning to me and that's a big part of the game i think we underrate that like stuff's really good but if he's going to walk too many guys then like that's an that's a major issue in itself and they have depth like it's not like the astros like have to push him into that spot yeah McCullers is hurt so that obviously opens a door that doesn't mean that browns going to be want to take it like we've seen the command improve you look early on in his career he was i mean in low A in 2019, he ran a 17.6% walk rate. And then in double A in 2021, it was 13.4%. That's too high in itself, even improving there. You know, last year was much better. I mean, 10.6% in 106 AAA innings. Like, yeah, it's still on the high side, but you can, it's livable with, with Brown stuff. And then with what we're seeing this spring, it's just has me quite concerned, like, If he is going to put so many guys on base, you're talking about a higher whip and definitely a higher ERA because he's going to have more runners on base. So Brown's got to throw more strikes. He's got to live in the zone a bit more, and he's got to know where his pitches are going. And right now, it's early. It's only been a couple of games, and he's only thrown, I think, three innings, two innings this spring. He can't get deep into the starts. He's walking so many, but he's walked five batters, in two innings, and he's hit hit a batter too. So six got six guys on base in two innings just through walks. Like that's going to cost you pretty bad. So yeah, I am definitely concerned about what we've seen so far from Hunter Brown. Now,
0: as your obviously we can't overreact over two innings, but has your long term thought on Brown changed at all? And not not just on these two innings, but you know, obviously the command is an issue, and like maybe we. Kind of, you know, we have a tendency, and I'm guilty of this too, you know, we look at the the big stuff, and we kind of, like, oh yeah, there's the command issue, we, we kind of like push it to the side, like, you know, hopefully he figures it out, but maybe it's a bigger issue than we thought it was, and holds him back a little more than we thought, so it's, I still like him long-term, I think he's going to be a very talented arm, but I don't know, this, this is a red flag that needs to be, you know, improved upon, and I'm not saying he needs to turn into, you know, some pinpoint control specialist or anything like that, but if he's going to walk ten plus, you know, percent batters and just not locate his pitches as well as he can, we've seen how that limits very talented arms that are, you know, have just as so much talent as Hunter Brown. So I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not dropping down my rankings, but th- this is concerning. So I don't know. I'm just, Something to monitor moving forward for sure.
1: Yeah, I, like it's not like a overreaction. I think to have some concerns to what we've seen, but at the right. same time, like I'm not dropping him in rankings. But it still needs to be monitored pretty closely. And for this year, I think it does matter much more than, we'll say, long term. Yeah, no,
0: I agree with that. Moving over to Mr. Brady Singer. You know, I've been personally pretty, not, not, not critical, but not quite as high as most on Singer in a lot of rankings, Dynasty and Redraft for this year, because I'm not a big fan of two-pitch guys when... Well, if, if the two pitches are elite, like the Grom, like Spencer Strider, who went, you know, at 11 swing and misses today in three innings or whatever it was, fine. But Singer, his sinker slider is slider's pretty good. Not, it's not elite. Sinker is solid. Again, not elite. So, you know, a lot of the ERA indicators were higher. So I was feeling some regression. But he has changed it, which he only threw a little under 8% of the time last year. And, you know, while the batting average against the slug, you know, we're fine. The whiff rate was only 9.1% through it pretty much only against lefties. But after his last start a couple of days ago, in which he tossed three shutout innings, two hits, no walks, five Ks. Ann Rogers, a beat reporter for MLB.com for the Royals, posted, tweeted a quote from Singer himself saying, quote, The changeup was probably the best it's ever been in my entire career. I think that's the biggest takeaway. So, if that changeup is going to be a legit third offering, you know, more incorporated into his pitch mix, even if it's just like 15, 16%, something like that, that, you know, I'm I'm not going to go bonkers over Singer, but I would feel more confident in buying into Singer long term. But what what are your thoughts on on Singer and the changeup, Chris?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty crucial to his success. And you look and like I said, pretty much two pitches between the sinker and the slider. Sinker's obviously not a bat-missing pitch. There were some good quotes from him after that start, and I'm not going to lie, I'm a bit intrigued, and I have been. Like, I really liked and bought into what Singer did last year. And if he throws that changeup, just, we'll say... 20% 20% of the time, then that's just a huge thing for him. And I personally think that he can be a really solid high floor arm. He may not, he's probably never going to be like an ace caliber pitcher, but I think it's a good ratio kind of anchor that you can have in your rotation, especially for fancy purposes. He's also made some tweaks to his sinker. He's really adjusted the release point a bit and so it's getting less drop and a little bit more ride. So I'd watch that a bit pretty closely, but I am intrigued by the changes that he's made and I do think that it could be pretty useful.
0: Yeah, I said if he can get that third offering, like I said he threw it last year, it wasn't effective. It was seldom used. Like if he I said double that usage rate, it doesn't have to be a weapon. SPA serviceable third offering to offset the sinker slider and i think he could i'm not I, don't, I still don't think he's gonna take another step forward but maybe he just settles in as like a you know mid three era guy 24 25 k rate it's like a pretty solid arm i think he can maintain what we saw last year I, i'd be a little more confident in that as opposed to you know maybe him regressing this year which is what i kind of thought but we'll see i want to see how that that change up looks the rest of spring and maybe I'll move up my rankings a little bit. But now let's move over to some velocity kind of risers and fallers. You know, a few notable ones. Obviously, there's a lot more than this, but kind of like the three big names, Hazus Lozardo up, Reed Detmers up, Alec Manoa down. Before we talk about these players, Chris, you know, obviously it's early. You know, all these guys are going to pitch a handful of innings. You know, what do you take away from early spring velocity, you know, rise or fall or is like, what is a, you know, noticeable, you know, whether it's up or down, what is, what is kind of like that, that number where it's like, is it a mile, you know, per hour up mile and a half to or down where it's like, all right, that catches your eye and like, and how do you kind of like process this? Like what is, what is your thought process around it? Well, I think it varies like case to case and
1: you know, this is never an ideal situation where you, want to see anybody down especially when they're down a pretty significant chunk like Manoa's been and that's the frustrating thing to me is like oh like he's down a good bit now there was a lot of talk it was like ah he's a slow or upper or whatever you want to call it I looked back at his spring training last year and then people like oh it was a short spring he had to be ramped up like he averaged 94 in all, in three of his four spring starts, and he was 93.7 in the other. He's been way down. And, you know, maybe that's his own doing. Like, uh, Chris Bassett was, like, four miles an hour down. I was like, holy cow. Like, what is this? And then they came out and said that Bassett was intentionally doing that, like, just going out there and just, like, doing his thing, and like, trying to really work on his tempo and stuff like that. So, like, okay, like, this... Maybe it makes a bit more sense. At least you can put something with it. But we haven't heard anything on Manoa. So it's like, oh, like I'd like to at least know something. And we haven't really gotten that. So I, I don't know what to do with Manoa. The guys that are up, I think you have to question sometimes, well, is it just a small sample type thing? Or what is it exactly? But I'd say regardless... Even if they're doing it in two inning stints, like you can look and see like where a pitcher topped out last year, and if that's higher, then that's obviously encouraging. But I'm encouraged by any velocity gainer. I wish there was a better way to track it. Like I'm actually in the process right now of trying to pull like all of the data from this on Savant, and then like you know compare it to last year. I don't I don't have that complete. So a lot of lookups, and I have to do all the pitch types and all that stuff, but. Regardless, I am pretty intrigued by those guys that are up, like especially Detmers. Like I think Detmers and another one, Patrick Sandoval, which I'm both of those guys I'm very intrigued by.
0: Yeah, it was Sandoval kind of flew under the radar a little bit. He had a very strong second half of last season. I think you you look at the overall stat line, you'd be like, oh, wow, that was a pretty pretty good season, so. And, and Reed Detmers, you know a couple a couple of angels here you know Reed Detmers, what was he sitting what was his velocity last year as i pulled that up it was no oh, where it was 93.2 so seeing him and that, that's you know that's okay velocity but i think if you could see him you know get 94 95 consistently this year along with with that slider that he has you know good curveball as well think, I don't know how high I'd, I'd push Detmers up, but that would definitely be very encouraging. You know, Lizardo up as well, but a mile and a half on, on the sinker is a curveball, a sinker changeup and four-seamer. So, you know, again, I, I don't over, I try not to overreact because like you mentioned, you know, it's just a, you know, a couple, couple innings early on in spring, but it's something that I definitely keep my like, I'm going to watch cl- more closely like Detmers' next start lizardo's next start let's see where it's at there see where it's at you know six days after that so just something to kind of like monitor and you know we don't overreact to these things unless it's like you mentioned like i forget who it was but we've talked about a lot of and tweeted about a lot of you know velocity gains and followers but like i tweeted about someone a few days ago where it was like their average fastball velocity was higher than their max last year so like that is definitely hmm. yeah. that was i forget who that was i wish i remember who There were so many of them. I can't remember which one that was, but like that is noticeable. Like, all right, they they top out at let's say 94.3, and their average was 94.6. Like, all right, you know, obviously that's not a fluke thing. That's not a, you know, short stint thing. It's definitely noticeable. So, yeah, definitely something something to keep an eye on. But yeah, Detmer, Sandoval, Lazardo, Manoa being down. And the thing with Manoa, too, it's not like this was his first start. No his velocity was higher. His his VLO was down a little bit. It was like half a mile an hour, 0.7, stuff like that, in his first outing, and then it went down further in the second one. So, again, it could be by design, hard to say, but we're just going off what we see, and fact that it went down further in the second start to all around two-ish, and one and a half to two miles an hour on all of his offerings. That is concerning to me. So, we'll see, but again, it's just something to to really just monitor moving forward here. But going over to some positive stuff, here with Kodai Senga debuting, and I would have been at that start, <laughs> but I had the labor mixed auction, was off it, which was an absolute blast. But yeah, missed out on that, even though I saw you know, Jordan Walker the previous two days just go bonkers, which we'll talk about next episode. But, you know, Senga kind of, I don't know, he, he came advertised. What was your uh, kind of your first thoughts on Kodai Senga, Chris? Well, I do think there was definitely some nerves involved.
1: We're talking about a very hyped prospect coming over, and there's so many expectations. And Mets fans are, have high expectations. Like, they were are going to be expecting a lot out of him. There was like, I heard there was like three, 400 people just surrounding the bullpen, trying to see his bullpen session before. And you can imagine, like, how well somebody wants to perform when it's their first, you know, big league. I don't want to say big league, but stateside start. And there was a mixed bag. I thought there was some good. I mean, the good was that his fastball velo was there. I mean, topped out near 99, averaged 97, like good spin. A lot of good things on the, the fastball, 30% CSW. That's excellent on four seam. I thought the secondaries looked good. And obviously, he threw the fork a couple times. He just, he ghosted Jordan Walker on it. You get it because it's a ghost fork. But again, I mean, I I think there was some good, other than he just really struggled to stay in the zone. He lived in the zone 40% of the time. Just didn't throw enough strikes, to be honest. And I think that cost him. Like, the strike percent was just so low. So, if this is fixable, like, I'm not making any judgment calls on Senga, like, right away. because. I do think there's a lot of nerves, and I think that there's things that he can work on improve, and he may look completely different at next time out. So, I ultimately really like Senga, and you know, I'm. I think it's based on what your expectations were. Some people were just like crazy high expectations, but like I've always thought he was like an SP three type, and I think he's gonna be a solid SP three type at that. So, like if that's what you're believing, then then he's okay. Like he's gonna be fine. So, I don't know. It's all about. The way you look at it, and yep.
0: it's different for everybody. One thing, I mean, one thing that has me a little bit encouraged is the fact that like where he landed, like with the Mets, and for two reasons: a, all the veteran arms they have there, obviously led by you know Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, also again you know Carlos Carrasco, who's the other one there, Jose Quintana. So all the veteran arms on that staff kind of to help him, you know. Learn the you know, ins and outs of being a major league pitcher. Obviously, he's a professional already in Japan, but, and then also the fact that he has, you know, at least Verlander and Scherzer, he has to come over and be the man right away. He can be, he can be a mid rotation guy. Like there's, I think there's not a ton of pressure on him right now. So, you know, I, I like the stuff like the ghost fork. He, he got uh, Jordan Walker swinging on that. It was absolutely beautiful. The bottom just falls out. You know, I think it was fine. Like I was, you know, fairly impressed. Obviously, there's still some tinkering, some adjustments to be made. But you know, I think he came as advertised, and you know, nothing that you know deters me or you know or wowed me. But he's he's a talented arm. I'm not going hog wild on him, but yeah, I think he's gonna be a guy that's you know top 40, top 50 ish pitcher, and a very good you know SP three, SP four for your fantasy team. So yeah, I came away. You no, know, fairly, fairly impressed with that start. Another person that I've been pretty impressed with through his two outings so far, Trevor Rogers, five innings, no runs, six strikeouts. You know, kind of looking like tw- you know twenty twenty one Rogers, and you know, I don't know if that fully comes back, but I think for on the pitching side of things, Rogers is, is one of the best dynasty buys right now because like that season wasn't a fluke, you know whether that was the best we'll see I don't know but that wasn't a fluke very talented arm obviously there was some off the field you know personal issues you know, some it was it was family and whatnot that were you know obviously you know as we all know we have families here we they can take a toll on anybody mentally especially when you're trying to perform at a super high level as a professional athlete as a major league pitcher so I don't blame him for having some some struggles so I am definitely still very much in on Rodgers. I'm not saying he's going to be a top 25 arm again, but definitely better than what he showed last year. And I'm looking to buy him in every dynasty league I'm in right now.
1: Yeah, that's pretty fair. I mean, it's, I think it's a good time to buy. I think the cost is going to keep soaring up, but overall, like I'm really pleased with what he's done. And you mentioned it. It's, you know, at some point, it's like not a fluke. Like we can call that season a fluke, but. You don't really fluke a full season in baseball. Like That's kind of the point of the game. It's like they play so many games. And Rodgers did it over a full season. So I don't believe what he did was fluky. I still think he's got an elite changeup. Like, I believe in, in the stuff with Trevor Rodgers. I think you're right. I do think he's a, a really good buy. So I'm all aboard getting him if you can. It just depends on the cost in Dynasty. And, and certainly in Redraft, I think you should draft him at his current cost because it's pretty cheap.
0: Yeah, I give it, ADP is like, what, 230, 240, yeah. something like that. And, yeah, I definitely think that his value is only going to keep going up. Like you mentioned, if he, he keeps looking good here in spring, never a couple of good outings, cost is going to go up. So I, I would recommend, like, right now, go if you want him, go out and, you know, have that chat with your, with your fellow league mate, whoever has Rodgers in your league, because I think the value is just going to keep going up from here. All right, we set a lot of other names on the list here, kind of jumping all over the place. But let's go to some of the some of the top arms here. You know, we got Shane McClanahan, Chris Sale. You know, Chris Sale was pumping ninety six. I don't know if that was just the hot gun. Jet Blue Park has been known to have a slightly hot gun, but you know, Sale looked all right. McClanahan two outings so far. Velo matches last year. Everything looks good there. You know. I know there's been a lot of concern around, well, both these guys, but let's start with McClanahan. That's made him kind of drop down to like, you know, SP eight to 12 in drafts and, you know, drop down a little bit, you know, down dynasty rankings. Are you concerned with McClanahan, Chris? You know, where does he fall in your dynasty, your pitcher dynasty rankings? And are you still, you know, are you worried? Are you still as high on them as you were, you know, before all the, you know, second half issues popped up last year? Yeah, I mean he's still like firmly in like the top tier
1: of arms for dynasty. I do think that Burns is still SP one, and after that you can go a lot of ways. Like I have Alcantara, Nola, Woodruff, McClanahan, all kind of in that same range. So to me, you can you can make an argument for any of them at number two behind Burns. But until Burns proves otherwise, like he is my number one. So yeah, so far it's so good for. McClanahan, I think, like seeing what you want to see out of him. Ultimately, like I'm not as concerned. Like obviously, the health stuff at the end of the year was a bit concerning, but he's been pumping. Like you said, the spring looked really good so far. So, no, I'm I am not I'm not overly concerned, especially considering the slider velocity was up a little bit. Like everything you kind of want to see out of him, I think we saw. And if that continues, then yeah,
0: I'm I'm all on board. You know, kind of like what we were talking about in our Dynasty Crystal Ball episode a few episodes ago. You know, Burns is number 1 and he's still fairly, you know, youngish. You know, he's the number 1 until he proves otherwise or I kind of should have added this last time or until someone takes it from him. And I think there's really only one major league arm right now that I think could and that's McClanahan. Take that number 1 spot. Like obviously, maybe Strider could, who, who knows, but or maybe, you know, maybe G-Rod or Painter or whoever else in a few years. But right now, like, I, you know, I love Sandy Alcantara, but he's like, I don't think he'll ever be number one. It'll be, like, you know, three, four, something like that. Nola, same thing. Love Nola as well, Woodruff, etc. cetera. But McClanahan's that one where he, had, like, he has the age on his side. He's younger by, I think, two or three years than Burns and has shown that he can be just as good or even slightly better at times. Then Corbin Burns obviously gets the ground balls, all the whiff rates on all of his offerings. So, if McClanahan's fine and kind of, you know, it's early, but he looks fine so far. If you can get him for any, any discount, even if it's 98 cents on the dollar, like if you can, you know, maybe trade like a Woodruff for him or something like that. So, when I have a couple spots below my rankings, like I'm still all in on McClanahan. Like I said, this guy has all like, and he's shown it. He's can be the number one guy, he's been that number one guy at times and to the point where I was debating moving him like kind of mid-season moving him ahead of Burns. And I've, everyone knows I love Corbin Burns. I've been, you know, on the Burns train ever since 2020. So, you know, that just shows how good McClan is. And I'm not really worried at all, but about Chris sale here, you know, obviously valuing and whether you want to roster Chris sale kind of comes down to your kind of contention window here. Obviously, if you're a rebuild you know, Chris Sale doesn't really make a lot of sense, but if you were a contending team here, Chris, and obviously we haven't really seen Chris Sale be both healthy and productive since, what, 2019? I think 19. it was. Yep. Would you be willing to kind of, you know, trade for him and then buy back in to kind of help your, you know, push for the you know, whether it's playoffs or the money or a championship, right? Are you okay with acquiring a Chris Sale right now?
1: Yeah, I definitely am. He when he pitches, he's elite. The problem is he's hasn't been healthy. He's dealt with all kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm I'm certainly intrigued if he is healthy, and even if not, like I think even if you get a decent, you know, let's say he gets 120 innings, like I really do think that he's going to provide value for you. And even if you're so I will say, like even if you're not a re- or not a win now, if you're a rebuilder, if you can get him cheap, I probably would. Just because if he throws the first half of the season is really good, some team's gonna overpay for him at the trade deadline, which is gonna create an opportunity for you to really capitalize on that and cash out. So I think he's viable for any dynasty team because I do really believe that when sale pitches, he's a top ten arm. Like We've seen that over and over and over again. So, yeah, I am certainly in on him. If, you know, regardless of what, whatever your team build is, I would look to get him right now.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of there with you. I, I don't think, despite, you know, maybe it's my Red Sox fan in me coming out and how annoyed I've been with Chris Sale over the last few years. But I, I don't know if, you know, Ace Chris Sale is walking through that door, but, hey, maybe SP2 Chris Sale is walking through that door. And yeah, if you can, first off, as a Red Sox fan, if we got 120 innings out of sale this year, I'd be doing a happy dance all the way down to to Lansdowne straight outside of Fenway Park. So that'd be awesome. You know, and I'll, I'll, the the positive thing, I guess, if you can take a positive out of this, is that a lot of these have been sort of like random fluke injuries. On, how do you break a rib throwing a baseball? You know, the, the comebacker, you know, it's been a lot of almost like Tatis, where it's just like a lot of like random crap that isn't necessarily related to baseball all the time. So, you know, hopefully there's no recurring, you know, thing here from some of these issues. So, yeah, I think you could see, you know, maybe he's gets, maybe he's like AL Clayton Kershaw, where it's like, all right, 130-ish innings, give or take, you know, 10, 15 innings. Either way, you know, pretty good ratios, a good good K rate, and maybe he's just kind of going to be that. I think they're both pretty close in age with 33, 34 in that range, so. You know, maybe that's kind of where he settles in as, is like a really good SP2, SP3 that probably will continue to be a little bit undervalued just because of, of the risk. But if he can get just get 120 innings, I think you can getting a, a solid uh, turn on investment there. Uh, moving over to Matt, a couple of, you know, not big names that have, but some young names with some promise that just haven't looked good so far this spring. Luis Ortiz from Pittsburgh, Matt Manning, from the Detroit Tigers, let's start with with Manning, Chris. Like with him, velocity was down. The production is, you know, has not been good so far. Through two outings, three and a third innings, seven hits, five earned runs, only three strikeouts so far. This is a guy that ever since he kind of reached peak value back when he was like him and Casey Mize were like, boom. That's going to be the next you know Glavin and 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 Maddox. But they both kind of, you know, that was like 2019. They both have kind of tanked and value since then. Obviously, Mai's being hurt now. But is Manning ever going to be a thing? Like, I'm thinking of that. Is that for mean girls that, like, stop trying to make fetch happen? It's not going to happen, that that whole gif? Is that the thing with Manning? Like, should we stop? And I've already been fading him pretty hard. But I've been holding a hope. Should we stop holding a hope? Like, is Manning ever going to be a thing? Or is he just going to be another guy? I don't think he's going to be a thing. I'm pretty out on him
1: at this point. Like, don't want anything to do with him. He sits at the bottom of the list of Velo, like, fallers. He's, he was down 3.2 miles an hour. Like, that's significant. Not to mention that he drilled Justin Turner in the face. Like, yeah. That was That scary. was brutal. Yeah, you can't do that to to Justin, Justin Turner, man. He's great, but. I'm just pretty out on Manning at this point. Like, he showed me nothing that I want to see, and that's sad. Like, I've got him on several dynasty teams. (laughs) It's like, you can't do nothing with him because they're deep leagues. It's not like you can cut him, but it's like, you're not going to trade him for a a bag of balls. But, man, I'm just pretty much lost all hope on Matt Manning, which is, I really hate. Like, I'd love to see him and Mize become something, but I don't really see that right now.
0: I wonder, I might take a bag of balls right now for, for <laughs> Matt Manning. I don't know. It, it's funny, too, like, looking back to, like, 2019, I'm trying to pull up my my archived rankings here. Is, you know, I think a lot of these top pitching prospects, you know, that were, you know, like, back then, what was it, like, Whitley, Pearson, Mize, Manning, a lot of them have fallen off. So, you know, it's, pitching prospects are so risky, man. Like Who would you rather invest in right now, him or... Casey Mize okay. or neither yeah. can I say neither because I would I don't know yeah I would say neither too but you know gun to your head gotta pick one who would it be I guess Manning just because
1: Mize is hurt so that's the only reason I'll say that who knows how Mize comes back at least Manning's pitching may not be good but at least he's pitching
0: I wonder if Mize turns into like Cal Quantrill 2.0. That might even be best case scenario. Yeah, I mean that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean Quantrill's actually fantasy relevant. Yeah. So okay, I'm pulling up. Okay, here we go. These are my mid 2019. So it's probably like July or so. I want to see what my top pitching prospects were at that point in time and see where where it went. All right. So I had Casey Mize. I'm I'm Kenzie Gore first overall. Eh. Well, for pitching, probably not overall, but he was number six overall. But for pitching prospect, Gore, one, still, you know, kind of wait and see on Gore. Mize, two, we already talked about that. Whitley, three, no. 4, okay, that worked out. Matt Manning, five, mm, not so much. Brendan McKay, six, oh, Lord. Dylan, C7, there we go. Pearson, eight, yeah, he hasn't worked out either. Kopech, nine, still wait and see. Patino, Luis Patino, 10. Still kind of waiting to see. So, yeah, a lot. So we get the, what, Lizardo and Cease are the two hits there. Gore and Kopech still kind of to be determined. But, you know, a lot of misses there. And maybe that's, you know, best partially on me. You know, I ranked them there, but I wasn't alone in a lot of those rankings either. So, man, pitching prospects is so volatile. You know, it's hard to. And we're seeing it now with, you know, G-Rod missed a lot of time last year. Painter, probably gonna miss a lot of time this year. Daniel Spino you know, hopefully what what can we just put Tiedemann and Harrison and Yuri Perez and all of them is put them in a bubble so they don't get hurt either. So but man, it, it's it's really tough. But all right. Any other see what names we still have on here? Cole Reagans, Chris. Increase Velo. Are you buying into Reagans like a deep league target?
1: Yeah, I actually am. Like he's going so deep late like in dc's especially and obviously in dynasty like he's pretty much an afterthought so i'm really intrigued here because you know the texas rotation has some injury risk to say the least so like it wouldn't surprise me at all if he snuck in there he was he flashed being a really good prospect at times obviously dealt with injuries but he's come back looking really really strong so i think that's kind of a a sleeper pick when I look at this rotation and see that the youngest one in this rotation is Andrew Heaney. I'm sorry, John Gray, just a slight bit younger, but they have everyone's 31 or older. We know DeGrom can't stay healthy. Evaldi's had his health issues. Heaney's had his health issues. So there could be issues or some innings there for, for Cole Reagan's. And I'm kind of on board with taking a shot late and especially in a deep dynasty league and seeing where it goes. Like, He's not going to start with the team. Like I don't think there's any question that he's you know with the team to start the year, but I think there is a chance that he comes up fairly quickly. He he pitched 40 innings with him last year. I think that's pretty important to note. It wasn't great, but again, he was coming back from injury, so I'm I'm not opposed to really taking a shot and seeing where it goes because he looked really good with what I saw. And he's shown the ability to be pretty good in the past as well. Like his his minors numbers overall are pretty
0: good. Yeah, that's I was was just going to mention that he has a career twenty nine point four percent strikeout rate in the minor leagues, and obviously he had a very you know putrid K rate last year. Only had twenty seven Ks in forty innings, but again he's shown that ability in the past. No walk rates used to be an issue for him. Like low minors was a huge issue, but. Upper minors, he got that walk rate down a bit. Twenty twenty-two was down to only thirty-one walks and ninety-four and two-thirds innings. That was around eight percent walk rate. So, you know, he's made some improvements from you know, low minors to upper minors, I think. He was a guy that and he missed a lot of time too. Like he he had a four-year gap. Cause he had, I forget if it was Tommy John or shoulder surgery. I can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. He had like major surgeries and then lost 2020. So he went from 2017, to 2021 without pitching a game and was a kind of a new guy once he came back. So kind of used that time off to really reinvent himself, improve his strike throwing ability. So yeah, with, with all the, you know, this is a talented Texas rotation, but as you alluded to, it is a risky one with a lot of injury risk and in, in basically everybody there. So, you know, I think he's got to get a chance and you know, maybe we see him go over hundred innings this year. So yeah, definitely has some, some appeal for sure, but that is going to wrap us up. Thank you to everyone for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And you can follow all of our written stuff over at Patreon for me, Substack for Chris, and of course, please drop a five-star rating and review. Those do mean a lot. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. enjoy join us again probably tomorrow or the next day. We'll get that hitter episode out very soon. A lot of fun stuff to talk about in that episode as well. But until then, everyone take care.